Hi friends, you're listening to episode 8 of How Are We Not Invited. This week it's all about female friendships and empowerment. Mary-Kate and I discuss the challenges of making true friends as you get older and dive into a topic that isn't discussed nearly enough, women bullying other women. Then we bring on our guest, associate producer Katie Malott. Katie has had a successful career traveling all over the world on major motion picture films and she shares incredible stories about working overseas. Well, fall is upon us. We're getting hyped on pumpkin spice lattes like everyone else. So how are we not invited? Rolling out now for an epic night. Dressed to the nines, all stars in sight. But to their fright, they can't get inside. Now on the guest list, we'll check it twice. Can't get in. Rev's anger ignited. MK's heart stop, can't revive it. Bouncer saying, hey, let's not get excited. Day yell back. How are we not invited? happy to have you here and hanging out with us again I know the world is getting so busy for the two of us with Rebecca working and me starting up school and Mm -hmm. trying to get things squared away with that this past week so it is so nice to be able to make time to chat with you Rebecca and to hang out with our fun listener friends that's how I feel about it exactly (laughs) So Mary-Kate, tell me what you've been up to the past week. Um, so what have I been doing? I have been doing just like a lot of prepping for getting back to school, applying to internships, doing that whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really funny thing happen. So la- last Sunday, I had my first social distance hang because I don't think the listeners know this, but you, Re- Rebecca, know this, that. I'm like very nervous about the virus, like yeah. to the extreme on, on the end of the extreme, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have not seen hang, hung out with anybody. Yeah. So I saw one of my girlfriends on Sunday and then I saw another two of my girlfriends a few days later and it was a torrential downpour, which oh, was God. hilarious. And we were just like sitting in chairs 10 feet apart from each other. And Great. The one time you <laughs> one time you decide to do a social distance hang you get rained on yes <laughs> yeah so anyway so it was kind of crazy though because I when I was hanging out with one of my friends on Sunday we were sitting in my driveway like literally brought chairs from up here down and sat Aww, in the driveway I love that yeah and we found this cat collar um in the middle of our driveway which was kind of random Aww. and so we like put it on our mailbox and then a couple nights later Nick and I were going out to pick up dinner and saw a missing cat uh like flyer in our mailbox and it actually said on the flyer that like the cat had this blue collar with pineapples on it and we were like oh my god that's the one that we (gasps) saw and so I texted the girl just to be like hey you know just so you know like we did see it I don't know if you were the one who picked up the collar because it's not there anymore like we did see it and she was like no it was gone whatever so then we started talking and she was asking about like she lives across the street and she was asking if we could she could like 
leave some food out to try to catch the cat, whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure. Great. Neighborly, neighborly fun. Mm -hmm. And so then the other night, like two nights ago now, she texted me at like close to midnight, which was kind of funny. But um, she texted me and she was like, I found her. I got her. And she sent me a picture of her and the cat. And like, it was like, so Nick and I were very happy because like Nick loves his cats. And like, yeah, you know, I was happy for the girl and whatever. And she was like, we should social distance, um, like have a glass of wine or something. And I was like, yeah, like, sure. And I realized like, I have not been friends with neighbors at all living in the city. Right. And it's hard. It's so weird. Yeah. Like I, the, the the closest to being friends with a neighbor that I had was when I was living in Brooklyn and there were these two guys moving in across the hall from us and they were like one of them was like kind of attractive and I literally was like looking through the peephole watching <laughs> them move in like such a freaking creep stalker. And then like you know, went and knocked on their door and said hi and whatever. And then we were like friendly with them. But like, I am not friends with my neighbors. Like, I don't know them very well. Like, I'm the same way that we just so happen to become friends with our across the hall neighbors who are now moving out. But I kind of feel like, yeah, it's hard to do it in a major city because nobody's that friendly to start. Mm -hmm. And also like, you know, everyone's kind of strange. Yeah, that's true. I do not know that this neighbor and I are going to be like actual friends. I don't know that she's not a total weirdo or that maybe she thinks I'm a total weirdo. I don't know. But it sounds uh, like a fun little connection. And wouldn't it be cool if you guys ended up starting a friendship over this cat collar that you found? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're right. In the city, it's tough because like everybody has weird schedules and like everybody kind of has some friends like they I don't know making friends as an adult is so weird like I have my college friends that I live near here but Mm -hmm. like you going to LA Mm -hmm. you had like work friends but you still had to like make new friends yeah tough that was very hard I will say because I moved out here when I was 31 years old so when Mm -hmm. you think about that and a lot of people will say like how difficult it is to make friends once you hit 30s because you know, everyone's all already established in their friendships and people are more work focused and yeah. people have kids and babies kids and, and you're not yeah. like really going, you know, you're not like really doing a ton of friend hangouts and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah I will say like it has been difficult and I probably of the five years I've been here now have a very small handful of like close girlfriends that yeah. um I've can really call like true friends that I like met in LA Mm -hmm. and most of them I met at work um and actually one of them is our guest today yeah Katie Malott who we're very excited to um to share that conversation with you guys and I think it's also difficult to make friends um with females when you get older and you're in the business because there's that competitive aspect to it you know there's so many women who are wonderful and they empower each other Mm -hmm. and you know want the best for you and and love to see you succeed which mary kate you and i are definitely two females that are like that which is why we 
love to bring on these female guests all the time because we just want to share with the world how amazing they are and how successful yeah. they are. And But there are, you know, in the business, some competitive females and some bullying females. And <laughs> I kind of yeah. feel like I want to share this quick little story just because you know, if other females are dealing with it, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, totally. But I, I have two or three bullying experiences for females in my life and career. Mm -hmm. And I feel lucky that it's only that small number, honestly. But yeah. um, one in particular, I was working with this female when I was an assistant. I was an assistant to a line producer on the film Central Intelligence. Um mm -hmm. And I was just really, like, getting into the business, starting to work on... Well, I mean, you know, I was still working... Yeah, like, kind of solid, but... Yeah, but I think as an assistant to a line producer, it was, like, my right. first movie doing that particular job. And I was, like, eager and, like, you know, I had those few movies under my belt, so I had enough experience to kind of know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, this... I'm not going to name names or say what her job was but that's I had to... big of you yes thank you you were not a bully <laughs> yes but she worked in the same you know I had to deal with her a lot and she just didn't like me and I don't know if it was a jealousy thing or if it was because uh she maybe you know some women just are competitive or yeah. whatever it was but she just had it in her from the day we met you know i don't know if she did, the, mm. did this to all assistants because sometimes assistants get bullied in general right um but i'll never forget we were all out at this like kickoff party i think it was a bowling alley there was a group of us all hanging out we grabbed drinks and i'll never forget i was um dating someone at the time that was also on the film and she had said to me she brought it up and she was like, you know, I feel like the only reason why he's with you is because of your physical appearance. Like she's straight. Who says that? Okay. She straight up said that to me, Mary Kate. It's still one of the weirdest things, like the most effed up thing someone's ever said to me. And then she proceeded to say, I think if I was more attractive, he probably would have chosen me. Oh my god. Well, okay. So first off, hashtag flattering. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm hot. Okay, fine. But also like that just screams insecurity. Yes. Absolutely. Ugh, it was yeah. and I was so offended and I, I remember looking at her being like, You literally just called me stupid. Like you literally just yeah. said like you're hot, but you're also dumb. And this guy's only dating you because you're hot. And then I remember as the film continued she would talk, and I remember, I had friends on the movie that would, like, report back to me and tell me about things that she said. So it was funny oh because I'm God. like, I don't know if she realizes that, like, people are reporting this to me. But I'll, I never forget there was a day on set where one of our, our, um, our production supervisor, it was his birthday, and I wanted to find out what his favorite cake flavor was. And we were going to call a friend of his at the studio to ask. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends told me that this girl called that person at the studio. She found out that I was going to be calling the studio to get his cake flavor. 
and she called this person at the studio to tell them not to give me the cake flavor that he liked. Like, straight up was like, don't tell Rebecca. Like, trying to, and I was like, like, blew my mind. I was like, this girl's petty. Like, what does she get out of that? Like, also, it's way, like, her, I know this person from working with them before as well, or not quite as intimately, but, like, obviously, like, it's way above her pay grade to be worrying about cake. Yeah. Way below, sorry, way below her pay grade to be worrying about cake. So why is she trying to make it so you can't do your job? wants to sabotage me, and, and... In the same way, another little example, because this was, like, all the time with her, was I'll never forget we were planning the rap party, um, and she told someone in the office that I was trying to take all their credit for the rap party because this person was also working on the rap party. We were both planning it mm-hmm. together, and, and she told this person that I was trying to take all the credit, and I'll never forget that he, that week he was, like, acting very cold to me, and I was like why is this guy acting like he doesn't like me all of a sudden? We had a great relationship. And I found out she had said that to him, so I had to pull him aside and be like, hey, like, I found out this was said, and it's not true at all. Like, I would never do that to you. That's not who I am. And he was like, thank God you pulled me aside to tell me because I believed her, and I thought you were being, you know, shitty. And I was just like, but anyway, to make a long story short, um, the, the level of pettiness... You know, and the level yeah. of, I mean, there, that was a form of bullying as well, does Definitely. happen between females in this business. It's not talked about a lot because mostly we talk about, you know, sexual harassment with men and bullying yes. with men to females. But I'm sure we'll talk about this again on another episode because I do feel yeah. very passionate about it. But there is, you know, something to be said about uh, when you can find those females that, care about you that want yeah. to see you succeed and don't have that insecure jealousy competitive craziness no. that causes them to try to bring you down it's unbelievable that it happens I'm not that person so I can't relate but it does yeah. exist I mean it it is a real shame because I I'm always one to think like there's enough room at the table for all of us and I think that mm-hmm. there's a certain um type of woman or I I shouldn't even say that but some some people feel like oh I worked my butt off to get the one seat the one woman's seat at the table of all men so I can't let this person succeed because if they succeed they might take my spot and in fact like let's just make everybody and that's I definitely think how like you and I feel about things like that's how we interact all the time like very encouraging of one another happy to see somebody else succeed like jealousy is can it's so easy I think in entertainment to be jealous of other people and like oh yeah certainly have I had moments and I'm sure you have like it's a very human emotion to feel jealous of another person who's maybe like gotten a job that you wanted or like moving up in a department that you are in as well and like maybe you started at the same time or they started after you and they moved up and you didn't or like it's so easy to feel some jealousy but I think the difference is like yeah jealousy is a human emotion you're gonna feel it don't act on it don't try to bring people down to the place that you're feeling in because you're in a low place it's not okay 
No, and I think that I totally agree, especially in film, you have those moments where you get that little, you know, feeling where you're like, oh man, like I'm disappointed, like I can't believe they got that over me, but I truly believe that if you continue to work hard and you're a good person, Mm -hmm. that that's going to shine through and that you will get your moment. Because I do feel like shitty people especially now, now that we're all speaking up and not just letting these behaviors continue. Um, yeah. I think, you know, the people, the awful people will get, will have consequences. I yeah. Think, I think. And I, I think so too. And like, like you said, like doing your job well, being a good person, that's going to advance you much faster. And when the time comes that you are successful, guess who's not coming up with you? the people who treated you badly. Exactly. So that's, exactly. And meanwhile, like for me, if my friend succeeds, that means I'm probably going to succeed too. Like I've been saying a lot of cliches, but a rising tide rises all ships. So like yes. if you're doing well, I'm going to do well. Like yes, you bring people up with you. Yes. I love it. It's so true. Female empowerment, baby. Yeah. I love it. And I hope that any females that are listening, you know, if they've experienced any kind of female to female bullying, well, one, if you want to share it with us, please send us a note, but you're not alone. Um, It's happened to me many times in my life, but continue to just do what you're doing and be strong and, and you'll be the winner at the end of the day. Right. A thousand percent. I I agree. And I think a really great example of a person who is, you'll we'll hear in the conversation is so great at building those relationships and like being a really powerful woman in the industry is our guest Katie Milan. So yes. it's gonna be a good time to talk about her or talk to her. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right, everyone, we have Katie Malott here with us today, who is an associate producer in the film industry, and she's amazing. Hello, Katie. Hello. So fun to be here. We're so excited to have you today. Yeah. We want to talk to you about everything you've been doing in the film industry and all the movies you've worked on. You've had quite a career so far. But let's start off with um, you telling us how you kind of got into the business, because I know you ha- you didn't start off in film, right? Right. So I have a, a weird kind of way into it. I started out in sports, actually, and I was that one kid in film school that wanted to work in sports and in baseball in particularly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, when I graduated, I had heard, I was down in Orange County for school, and I had heard that the Anaheim Angels had a really good internship program, and it was basically a full-time job. You got paid minimum wage, but it was for a year, and so right after college, I applied to this internship program, and um, I actually didn't get in the first time, and so I was like, okay, how, how can I get into this like if I you know Mm. I need to kind of get involved with these people I need to make connections whatever so as I was interviewing for that internship I learned about um, this department called the guest relations department and basically when you go to a baseball game every single baseball team has this it's sort of like an info center Mm -hmm. where if you have any questions about where can I find 
helmet nachos or you know whatever you just the don't ask these people like <laughs> the questions so what i did was i started working in the guest relations department it was just a part-time seasonal job and i did mm. that for one season and i was working like three other jobs at the time just to like make everything work financially yeah. mm. um and because of that i got to know everybody and by the time the next season came around i got that internship so now i had That's a full-time so job working so for the angels and i was running awesome. the guest relations department so that oh. was really cool yeah to it was it was awesome because my boss um shout out to brian sanders hi brian he, he is such a wonderful person and was very much has always been an example of what to do as a boss you know how a lot of times you mm -hmm. have people and you're like, okay, I've learned how I don't want to be a leader. Yeah. Yep. And he actually was an example of how to be a leader. And yeah. he empowered me so much. And he's like, look, you know how everything runs. You know how it works. Go ahead and just go handle it. And so here I am, wow. like 23 years old, oh running a department for a major league baseball team, which was like amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So um, I worked for the Angels for a couple years and... Um, Toward the end of those years, I was sort of itching to get back into film. I had done it in college, even though I kind of got into it accidentally in college. And I just, I was missing it. And so I was talking with one of my friends in the guest relations department who we had a special friendship. He trained me on my very first day and he was like my parents' age. So he was sort of like a dad at yeah. work. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of missing film and I, I'd like to get back into it, but I just have zero connections in that world. And he's like, well, you know, my daughter is doing this thing called the page program over at Paramount. Like, why don't you send me your resume? I'll send it to her. We can try to get you an interview, whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so yeah. much. So yeah. that was, that was amazing. Thank you. Rich Medina for that. Shout out to him. <laughs> so he gave uh, my resume to his daughter, Marissa, who's still a friend of mine to this day. We're like the same age. And um, so she was able to get me an interview and I got into the page program at Paramount and thus began my film career. And the page amazing. program at Paramount, I remember from when I worked there, that's kind of, it's the people that do the tours, right? On yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a couple different things that you do. The main thing is you give tours of the lot. So we did this like intensive two week training where they'd take you like all over the lot and they tell you all the different historical things that have happened there and all the movies that have shot there and whatever. And um, when you're giving the tour, you have like an iPad where you can show people photos from these mm -hmm. movies or like movie clips like this shot right here. Take a look. Yeah. Know? Um, so we learned all of that. So that's the main thing you do. And then you also help out with uh, some of the TV shows that are shooting on the lot that have like audiences. Mm. So Dr. Phil, the doctors, some of the Nickelodeon shows, mm. the pages will help like get all the audience onto the lot, get them seated, make okay. sure that everyone's like where they need to be. If someone needs to go to the bathroom, you have to go sit in their place in the audience so oh, that the audience wow. always looks full. Yeah. So on my first day as a page, I was working on the Dr. Phil show and a, one of the audience members needed to go to the bathroom. So I sat in their place and I guess I was doing like a really good job, like 
emoting to all the drama that was happening. Yeah. So the camera guy like goes on me and there's like this fantastic shot of me in a, a Dr. Phil episode. I think it was his thousandth episode oh or something god. like oh my that. God. It was oh my god. So and literally I made it into the actual That's so show. funny. And I was like so great. So embarrassing. <laughs> I remember from working at Paramount that one of the fun little facts that the pages told everyone was what stage doesn't exist at Paramount and isn't it stage 13? Yeah. 13, yeah, because everyone's oh, superstitious. superstitious. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Nobody and wanted to like shoot in a stage 13, so they just didn't even have one. That's wild. I'm always fascinated by like there being no 13th floor in buildings yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. We see that a lot in, in New York at least, but which I didn't you, know that about Paramount. Well, if you really think about it, in a building, there is a 13th floor. It's just yeah. not named the 13th floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. label it like 14. Floor 14, yeah. you're actually on the 13th floor. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, they just never did it at Paramount, which was kind of fun. Yeah, That's I so love that. Cool. Did you guys meet... So obviously you were you were Paige a while ago, but like you yep. met Rebecca through Paramount stuff or how do you guys even know each other? Yeah, we actually met um, when I worked for the executive at Paramount for two and a half years. Katie was working on a on Transformers Five, mm -hmm. which was a film that my boss was covering. He was a he's a physical production executive. Mm -hmm. So that when I first started working for him, he was uh, we were just finishing the film. There was some reshoots, I think, or something. You guys were back in L.A. and yeah, um, because her boss was the line producer, Ian Bryce. Um, Shout out to Ian. Hi, Ian. <laughs> we met because her, Ian and Ralph, my boss, would talk constantly all day, every day. Um, so like 20 phone calls yeah. every day. <laughs> Always in constant communication. So because Katie and I were like rolling the calls for our bosses, yeah, we just yeah, started yeah. chatting and then we started working on some things together and then it was an instant friendship. Yes, it oh. was. But I since we're talking that. about Transformers 5, Katie, so tell oh, us um, tell us how you started working for Ian, how that happened, and then what you do for him. Okay, yeah. So when I was a page, um, kind of the end goal of being a page is you want to end up on what they call a utility, which is like working on someone's desk to get some desk experience. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you hope to like turn it into a job, whether it be at Paramount or if you like hear of jobs over at other studios, you know, whatever. So I was working a utility um, that was super unique. We were planning this event on the lot that Paramount does typically every year. It's called the China Filmmaker Exchange Program. Mm -hmm. And Basically what they do is they bring, I think that year it was something like seven filmmakers over from China and they had this whole week of sitting in all these different sessions, learning about different aspects of the film industry, wow. getting to meet all of these people. So mm -hmm. it was this just very unique uh, experience and I got to help plan it. So, so cool. as part of that, there was a CE, a creative exec over at Paramount who was also helping plan it and she was just a few years older than me and we were chatting and we got to get to know each other and throughout the course of that week uh, at one point we had a conversation she was like Katie like what kind of work do you want to get into ultimately mm -hmm. and I was like well I really want to get into line producing like I'm I don't think of myself as being particularly creative but 
I like all of the organization of like coming up with schedules and budgets and all that sort of thing. And I yeah. did a lot of that in college. Yeah. And I was one of the few kids that liked that in college that wasn't yeah. like, you know, this your typical boring. film yeah. school students so like, you. I want to be a director. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, and I was like, oh, I have no interest in doing that. Yep. So, uh, so I was like, yeah, I want to get into line producing. And she was like, well, you know, I actually have a friend who's working with a line producer right now and they're in need of a second assistant send me your resume. Why don't I like get that over to him? And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, okay, sure. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, so I did yeah. and it, yeah. And it ended up going to Ian. And at the time Ian had a first look deal at Paramount mm -hmm. and uh, they were thinking that they were going to be shooting Transformers five sometime soon. And it was going to be such a big movie that Ian needed two assistants. And it's the only time he's ever had two assistants. And wow it just it all ended up you know right place right time yep and That's i awesome. got the job it was amazing that. and so i literally have been working my dream job for five and a half years now oh yeah and wow. it's so interesting because like i i give so much props to ian because he treats it like an apprenticeship mm -hmm. and so That's you great. know i'm doing all sorts of work for him with him mm -hmm. and he's teaching me everything I need to know about how to be a producer yeah and it's so Amazing. rare like you don't hear it about is. a lot of line producers doing that ever mm -hmm. yeah like Rebecca yeah. and I have, have talked about this like over all the years we've known each other mm -hmm. and so many people will come to me and they're like how did you get your gig and how can I do that and I'm like oh, guys I wish I had an answer for you like I don't know anybody else who's it's training true. in this way like I'm just so lucky you are and I when I worked at Paramount my boss at the time used to always say like you know Ian is kind of a diamond in the rough because there mm -hmm. are also not many line producers in the business who also have development deals for sure very uncommon very for them to, that's normally a creative producer's role so right. um the fact that Ian does both is very rare and yeah. it you know requires him to have a staff of an entire office and it is kind of an ideal job because if you're interested in production you know and you want to work for a line producer it's a for with Ian it's a full-time job because his he has a company and he's constantly working um and you know he needs you full-time and is yeah. able to kind of train you in both areas both development and the production side so you started as his assistant and now you've bumped up right you've climbed yeah. up and you're an associate producer which is amazing <laughs> congratulations yeah. thank you it's it's another one of those things where you know i've i've been working with ian for five and a half years now and he is so good first of all about training and teaching you everything you need to know and then he's also just a very loyal person and so he's really good about, okay, you've, you've learned all this stuff. You've taken all these steps. I'm going to bump you up now. And so, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I got my first associate producer credit on six underground, which, uh, was a huge movie for Netflix mm -hmm. with Ryan Reynolds. And then we've got another movie, um, with Netflix. that's going to be coming out early next year called finding Ohana. And I've got again on that one so yeah amazing. amazing so i want to talk about all these movies you've worked on and kind of what you do so i have my little list here all right so you've done transformers 5 yes we all, we all know that um <laughs> there's six underground which you just said which is a huge michael bay film that mm -hmm. shot overseas 
so did Transformers 5. Uh, Finding Ohana, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Did I say that wrong? Is it Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? Or Whis mm -hmm. Whis okay, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. <laughs> um, those are some of the bigger ones that you've done. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about all of them. I don't know if we have time, but <laughs> I maybe I'll just ask you this so I know that um, a lot of the movies went overseas. And yeah. you've, tra you've traveled so much in your career for being so young, you know? Yeah. You have not stayed in LA. You've yeah. been all over the country. You've been in Abu Dhabi. You've been in, what, Scotland, Ireland. I don't remember. All of it. Yeah. All of it. So, <laughs> I don't know. Can you pick a oh movie God. or a place or something and kind of tell us about what that's like? And Oh, man. Um, it's hard to pick. I, I have to say, first of all, that I'm so thankful and so fortunate to have been able to do this kind of traveling because before yeah. I had this job, I had literally only been to Canada. So um, when when things finally, when things started going with Ian, I was like, I want to travel. I want to be on set, mm -hmm. you know? And when I finally got to go, I was like, yes, this is so fun. Um, so Transformers 5, I'll just kind of go chronologically quickly. Transformers 5, we shot in Arizona. We shot in the Detroit area. And then we went to all five countries of the UK, wow. which was amazing. And we had some really amazing experiences. Like we started out in Scotland and we went to the Isle of Skye, which is just so remote. It's like not easy to get to. And it was so beautiful. I can't even explain. It was so remote. Like our cell phones weren't working. So it was mayhem because it was bayhem. I should say. <laughs> it's like we're trying to communicate with each other and this we're shooting up on top of this huge mountain and you literally have to get to it by helicopter and so people are taking helicopters oh from base camp up to the top of this mountain of course Ian and our publicist Gabby and I hiked the mountain instead oh my god you did I hiked it in wellies what? and I was like why am I doing oh that god. how long did it take you to get to set God, I can't remember. remember. Maybe 45 minutes. Oh my God. But every, so the Everyone rest of the crew had to take a helicopter. In. We're just hiking oh up God. this mountain. Like I have a great couple of photos of me oh like God. hiking up this mountain in these horrible, we'll ugly wellies. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was beautiful. And that was absolutely stunning. And then what was the scene that they were shooting over there? Do you remember? Yeah, it was. So with Transformers 5, there's this whole kind of backstory about how the Transformers have been around forever, like even in like medieval times. And so you have these medieval knights and you have yep. Merlin, oh, I remember which is that played scene. by Stanley Tucci. Yes. Uh -huh. So there's one yeah. scene of Merlin, like on this horse uh kind of going through all this greenery and the horse like rears up on this huge cliff and it's just this epic yes. that was isle of sky isn't it right at the beginning Ooh. of the film yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah that was pretty so there was there, 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 it was Amazing. a lot of a beautiful oh. um like for, for this being the first movie that i was on set for and to some of the stuff that we did was just unbelievable like it was it was trial by fire because it's such a huge movie and there's so much going on. And I, my jaw is just kind of on the ground looking at a lot of this stuff. Like yeah. when, we, when yeah. we got to London, we shut down Tower Bridge and shot on that. <gasps> oh we shut God. down the mall and we filmed all up and down. We had this car wow. chase going up and down the mall. And then- Oh my God, in the mall? Uh -huh. Like- Wow. Buckingham Palace is right there and we have all these cars like zooming up and down 
And then cool. we, what a cool first it was experience. amazing. Like we shot at a 10 Downing street and I w- it was the first feature film that had shot like right at the front door of 10 Downing street. And I was one of wow. three people that got to go in and actually get a tour of it for a couple minutes. And I was That's so like, cool. what? <laughs> like, what is this? Wow. You know? So just stuff like that. And, and then uh, toward the end, we went to Stonehenge and I got to walk amongst the stones at Stonehenge, which they don't let you do anymore. They have all these like walkways now that you have to stay on because people had kind of gotten out of hand and they were like chiseling stuff into them or whatever. Right. But I actually mm-hmm. got to go and like touch it. And I was, it was just, you know, amazing experiences like that. Uh, it was just wow. a, quite a way to start my onset I would say I'm curious with like all these amazing awesome experiences what does your job entail like what is like for for our listeners who don't necessarily know I feel like different producers always do different things so Mm -hmm. like what is an associate producer in in your world yeah that's it's a good Mm -hmm. question and it's funny because in some ways it's hard to describe because you kind of do a little bit of everything and so I'm like okay Ian has a development company so on that side like I will read scripts it's not my strength but like I'll read scripts and if I have any notes on things I'll give them notes on things and we'll have discussions Mm -hmm. about oh who should we go to to be the lead actor or actress for this and I'm like okay I have an idea what if we do this or that so there's kind of like that stuff I tend to be more in the production world that's really more of what I do so when we're prepping a movie you know I'm helping create lists of HODs okay let's call these people and let's see who's available and a lot of what you're doing when you're prepping a movie, especially when you're putting the crew together, you kind of have to orchestrate. uh, One thing that Ian teaches me a lot is like you have to orchestrate kind of who you choose to be in your crew because certain personalities are going to work well with other personalities and some might not. So you really got to think about that when you're figuring out all these people that are going to be working together. So you're casting your crew just as much as you're casting your cast. Wow, that's such sure. a good way to put it. I've never heard oh, it yeah. worded that's that way. That's, so I have to yeah, and also <laughs> on top, I've done a lot of that too in my career, the availability yeah. list. And one thing that is important too is just to make sure that there, are, you know, if you're if you're working on a huge action film, your production designer has to have major action film experience. Exactly. You don't want like a comedy production designer you know, yep. to be able to do a Transformers 5. They're very different looks. You want someone that's done it before, that's maybe been to those countries that can recommend places and looks and castles and whatever exactly. else. But yeah, it's it's definitely tricky. And then it has to be approved by the directors yep. and the creative producer. I mean, it's a whole, it is not easy nope. staffing a movie, everyone. It's, it is yeah, very it's hard. a lot of work. And then I, I do a lot of work with, you know, coming up with, a general calendar for prep where we're like, okay, in this week, we're going to start the production designer. The next week, the accountant is going to start. That's really not the correct uh, order, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Just coming up with like, who is going to start when? And okay, on this day, we're going to figure out uh, a couple different VFX houses that we might use. And so we're going to talk to all these guys. And then by two weeks later, we're going to have picked our visual effects house. And, you know, and you just sort of, you calendar all this stuff out. 
And then we're going through the budget and you do one draft of a budget and you're like, okay, this budget is too big. What are some places where we can make cuts? And so then you're talking with the controller and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, do this and this and this, and let's try to get this down. Okay. How does that look now? You know? So it's just a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff to do with logistics and planning. And we're looking at what are the hotel options for our crew? And, and another thing that I think Ian's really good about is picking hotels that don't break the bank, but are still very nice for your crew because yeah, this you is your home while you're gone yeah. and you don't want to be in a, what he, what they like to call like a shit box, you know, <laughs> you want to be in a place that's nice, but you also can't break the bank. And so it's just like looking at photos of, of hotels yeah. and, you know, just all sorts of logistics. And so I do yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. And then by the time you get to set, it's a lot of problem solving and just all sorts yep. of things Every day. come up mm-hmm. and you just have to problem solve and you yeah. just can't even uh, like you really don't know what sort of things are going to come up and it's you just roll with every it. day is a yeah. day on set <laughs> yeah I really love that like I don't think people understand how much the business end of things I, I call it the business end of things because like I'm a, a an business person yeah. <laughs> and I'm an accountant but yeah. um I, I think it's so important to understand and appreciate how much of the creative you have to understand in order to do that, like organizational business side. So like, right. well, yeah, you're not making the design choices. You have to know your script. You have to know your timing and everything and all the people involved in order to do your job. Like you have to know everyone's yep. job, which is kind of exciting and also kind of stressful yeah. and like, yeah such a massive skill set so that's so yeah cool. that's completely accurate like you you have to know a little bit of everything to be able to mm-hmm. oversee everything mm-hmm. and and that's what I really like about it is like I'm not just doing one thing I'm not just doing costumes I'm not just handling the electric yeah. like I literally yeah. am involved in a little bit of everything and that's what makes yeah. it fun yeah it's so cool and when I worked for I worked for a line producer for a few years and I always remember there's there's also the politics end of it too because the actors mm. come right into the trailer and come to you and they say hey Katie uh I have a concert you know they might be a musician too I have a show next week I forgot to tell you guys but like I really can't be here next Thursday what can you do for me you know oh, yeah. what kind of contract do they have are they allowed to even go do that concert? Can you make it work in the schedule? That's something that could come up like 30 days into the shoot where you might not be able to go back to that location after a certain, I mean, there's so many little things, but you know, part of your job, I'm sure Katie, a lot is just having to like wrangle the actors and wrangle the department. And this does happen a lot where actors have other commitments going on or you know they need to get home for some sort of family thing or whatever it is and they're like okay i need to be off on this day and so we're over here rejiggering the schedule and talking with our yeah. locations people like hey can we move this location to this day and can we do this and this and so it's a lot of rejiggering and you're doing it on the fly and you try to figure out what yep. your options are and yeah. then you have then a new there's... schedule <laughs> Yep. And there's always a cost to every change, by the way. Yeah. Always a cost. Um, Okay. I want to get back to talking about you going overseas because it's so interesting. But can we talk, I want to talk about how, because people don't think about this, when you go to another country as a film crew, you kind of have to adapt to their culture a lot Mm -hmm. of times. 
So I want to specifically talk about when you went to Abu Dhabi for Six Underground mm -hmm. and what that experience is what was like for you because they're very strict over there. They are strict. It's a and how did you guys adapt and how did you adapt and what was that? Yeah, like? it was first of all it was an amazing once in a lifetime experience and we I'm were sure. all mm -hmm. very happy to to go over there. It was just amazing. Uh, the architecture is amazing. The sites like it was so beautiful and it was really just so unique um, because you don't get to go to the Middle East every day, obviously. It's not one of the places nope. that you typically yeah. go for vacation or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was amazing. It, we were there for a month and it was just, it was a very different experience because it's a very Muslim country. So as a female, yes. it was a little bit different sort of being over there because when you're when you're in the hotel and you're on the hotel grounds like you know you can kind of do whatever you want like in your normal american life you can wear shorts you can wear a tank top and not be all that concerned about it but if you go out in public um the rules in public are a little bit stricter and so there were some parts of the country in particular that were very very conservative and you know as per custom you have your shoulders covered you uh, have your legs completely covered, you wear a scarf over your head, all that sort of thing. And wow. it was just, you know, that's the country you're in. So you're gonna yeah. do- you have yeah, to do it. Yeah, for sure. And, and we're yeah. happy to do it, but it was, it was just um, unique because it's stuff that you don't always think about when you're there. But I yeah. will say like the UAE is a very progressive country of all the countries in the Middle East. Uh, women okay. have a lot more rights in the UAE than they do oh, in other okay. countries. Women vote, a lot of women work. So, um, and there's a ton of expats also. So you, it's very much a melting mm. pot, which is kind of interesting. So you have a lot of people who are Emirati and a lot of people who are part of the Muslim faith. And then you have a lot of people from all different parts of the world, Australia, South Africa, mm. Europe, like some people will vacation there from Europe like in the winter time to get a little bit of warm summer kind of feeling in the dead of winter. Yeah. So it's it was really interesting to just see lots of different people from different walks of life. Um, and some of the places that we got to see and that we got to film in were just amazing, like gorgeous architecture. And um, mm -hmm. Abu Dhabi has the second largest mosque in the world so we got wow. to visit the mosque and it was beautiful and huge mm -hmm. and and that was just a whole crazy experience too like <laughs> i had a funny thing happen where we you know you go and for the women they want you uh your arms completely covered your legs completely covered your head covered and so i wore like a long sleeve t-shirt long jeans. I had a scarf over my head. Mind you, it's like 80 degrees in November, maybe even hotter. Yeah. And they, they need stuff that's a little bit more like loose fitting. So they have oh. robes that they'll give you. And a, most of the women who go there have to wear these robes. And so I'm looking at the robes mm -hmm. and they have brown ones that are like the ugliest brown you've ever seen. <laughs> And they have blue, <laughs> they're like a nice blue. I'm like, please give me a nice yeah. blue one. Please give me a blue one. And they give me a brown one. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> all your, wait, can you take photos mm -hmm. in there? Yeah, so I have some okay. photos in there, but I'm wearing like this. But you're probably like, I wish I wasn't no. brown. Uh, it's the most unflattering <laughs> brown I've ever worn. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, and it's got like a hood on wow. so You put the hood up and then 
um, you have to walk barefoot when you're in the mosque. And so some of the people I'm with are like massive germaphobes and they're like, oh my God, we have to walk barefoot. Like we're going to get all the, and you know, it's just like all these funny things that you don't normally think of. But then when you get there, you're looking at everything and it's just jaw dropping and it's beautiful. And you know, it, it was just, again, it's a once in a lifetime experience. So it was really cool. Yeah. What other countries did Six Underground go to? Because didn't they go to Italy as yeah. well? Yeah, we shot in Italy for two months. Mm-hmm. And so we were in Florence for the first couple of weeks. Um, that whole chase, car chase that happens with the Alfa Romeo. At, at the, the beginning. beginning the, yeah, mm-hmm. that took a month to shoot. Just that. Wow. wow. Well, that, was a, that was insane. That was a wild that ride. Was- I was almost dizzy watching that. Uh, I like, can't even explain like it was yeah. first of all the stunt guys and the drivers and the drifters were all so good at what they do because we shot that in Florence and a little that. bit in Siena wow. and they're going around these tiny little corners just drifting around corners with like a couple inches away from hitting a building and my body was just like clenched for like weeks and I'm just watching it every day and I'm like oh my god are they gonna make it and they made it every time and it was just amazing what they could do yeah so we did that for a couple weeks and um we went to Taranto which is this little port town kind of in the south of Italy. And we rented a yacht and we were filming mm. on this yacht. And so was that the boat that they were yeah, on? Which was wow. gorgeous. So that was an actual, that was boat. An actual yacht. Location. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's wild. It was amazing. That's like so you couldn't cool. wear your shoes on the yacht. So you're walking around barefoot. <gasps> So I have a great. Why couldn't you wear? Oh, to, why couldn't you wear Because the shoes? floors are way too fancy. Oh, excuse oh. me. <laughs> I didn't, they're making a whole film crew be barefoot on a. Yeah. Well, that's, that's crazy. Cool with socks on. So I have a great picture of like right at the bottom of the gangplank. You have everybody's shoes are just all over. Oh my oh, god, yeah. <laughs> it's great. That is so odd. I, yeah, that's crazy. And where did they shoot? Because there's that big scene with the the pool. Oh, that big yeah. pool that they all fall into. Yeah. Um, that was was that a water tank that was somewhere? Or that was a set. So that was all completely built. <gasps> where wow. did you guys build that? So that was outside of Rome. Um, yeah, so the last month we were in Rome and we had some sets and we had a couple locations, but the majority of it was this location, uh, which we called Calatrava. It was this old pool, a couple different pools that were going to be used for not the Olympics, but some sort of like huge swimming competition. And I guess Mm -hmm. it was a little bit of a sore subject because I think a lot of taxpayers had paid money for this thing. And this architect named Calatrava had like built this gorgeous thing, but they ended up running out of money. So they like abandoned it. So it's like this half done structure that really is just amazing. And we used it as a backdrop and built our set right next to it. And what we built was this huge Hong Kong penthouse apartment. So the set itself was like three stories and we built it right next to this huge like skeleton of this roof that was going to be over this pool and so the whole idea was that it was this top of a penthouse and around it was this other construction that was going on like in hong kong so we used this whole thing next to it that's kind of half built to look like 
you know, construction that's half built. And so it was this massive set, like I said, three stories high, it had a pool on the top of it. And we, you know, things that you just never really think about when you're watching a movie, like our production designer had to design this thing. He had to get with an architect and make sure that this was all like sound so that you Mm -hmm. could actually put a pool on top of it and, and have it be safe. So we had like over a million euros worth of steel alone to build this thing. Like it was amazing. It was gorgeous. It was huge. But the funny thing was it was not waterproof and we ended up getting this huge (gasps) massive rainstorm come through when we're doing yeah Uh, so you've got rain coming through the various like stairwells and all this other stuff and so but Bay is amazing at working around this so we're he'll go shoot Mm -hmm. in one corner where you can't see the rain going Wow. And then he'll go somewhere else and we'll clean up the water off the floor over there and we'll shoot it over oh here God. and you can't see the rain. I mean, it was it was really amazing. But the huge pool water tank that got busted in the movie, like we did that for real. That is so, yeah, I always was oh wondering about that. I, I really love Six Underground. It's such a fun action oh film. Oh my gosh, got, it's we, a ride. We've talked about it on the show before because we talked about it because my partner, Jesse, has that little small yes, part in it. Yes, love that um, part. Yeah. But that's <laughs> so with all the travel you do, what are you working on now? And like, how has this project, I don't know if you can really tell us about it, but like in, in general terms anyway, how do you feel like the the stuff you're working on now or projects in general are adapting to the fact that like COVID means you can't go to all these cool places you or at least not right now yeah. I'm sure they're hoping to but how are you seeing a change yeah well I got lucky the most recent movie that we were working on we shot last fall um, and it's called Finding Ohana and it'll be on Netflix early next year and it's a Hawaiian story So we shot in Hawaii and then we shot in Thailand and we finished Mm. everything up like right before Thanksgiving. And so we were in post when COVID happened. So thankfully Mm. I I wasn't on a project that got stopped um, because of COVID. So we were able to, we had to rejigger a little bit and and get rid of our post-production offices and move everyone to working from Mm. home and get everything set up. But honestly, it wasn't too much of a bump. Um, and it was pretty amazing just to discover how much you can do at home remotely and still get everything made. Um, so we're just finishing up that movie, but now Mm -hmm. we have to deal with, okay, the next movie that we shoot, we have to deal with, uh, COVID and how are we going to work around that? And it's going to be really interesting. I think in some ways, it might be pretty similar, but in a lot of ways, like you're going to have your COVID compliance officer, you're going to have way more hand washing stations and hand sanitizer stations and your uh, catering and your crafty is going to look different. But I don't think any of those are a bad thing. Like how many people yeah. have accidentally gotten a cold just because a bunch of people were putting their hand in the chip bowl at crafty you know like okay if we're gonna have individual size you know bags of pretzels that's not a bad thing we probably should have been doing that anyway 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of stuff, it's like, why weren't we already? Yeah. And even as far as, and I know this just because of the film I'm working on now, as far as leaving the country to film, it really will depend on the country and if their borders are closed and who they're accepting in and will you get an exemption letter from the government to be able to film? Can you prove you know, to the government that it's important that you be there? 100%. Will you follow all their COVID guidelines? And that's kind of what I'm dealing with right now um, with the UK. But um, yeah, it'll just depend. And I think also it's going to probably depend on, um, you know, if we have another surge or if this is going right. yeah, to and calm me, down at all. It'll depend like, what's the timing of when you're shooting versus what what part of the year are you in so right now you know right. like rebecca you're dealing with something that's going to shoot earlier than the next movie that i'm going to be working on so by mm -hmm. the time we get to the next time i'm on set do we have a vaccine you at that be. point you know True, what's right? going so yeah. you really you're just kind of taking it day by day it's all you can there's do. so much unknown yeah, yeah exactly um i want to ask you as a female associate producer you know there's so much that's been going on the past couple of years in the industry with hashtag me too and assistants coming out and speaking up and females coming out do you feel that there's more changes that you want to see in the industry as a female producer and you know do you feel like we've made progress or do you feel like there's still a lot of work to do kind of what are your opinions on that well, yeah kind of all of the above i think there has been a big improvement since the Me Too movement. And I've I've mm -hmm. kind of seen how some things were before Me Too happened and now you see how things are after. And I do think there's definitely an improvement. And I think women feel a lot more empowered to speak up if Absolutely. something's going on that doesn't feel yeah. right, you know, and that should have always been the case. So, you know, better late than never, but I think it's, it's good what's been happening. Mm -hmm. um, as far as me too, um, as far as assistance and stuff, it's hard. Like I, I haven't been as involved with that one. Cause I think I kind of like just missed that phase of like, I, yes, I was an assistant, but I don't think I, I wasn't treated poorly in the way that other assistants certainly have been like, I've always right. been of the mentality, sure. especially when it comes to like the agencies and stuff. Like if, if you were mistreated as an assistant and then you moved up the ranks to be a big time agent or something, I don't feel like that really gives you the right to treat your assistants like shit. Like, yep. yeah, why absolutely. is that a thing? Like, yes, nobody yeah. goes to LA wanting to be an assistant. Like it's not the be all end all job. <laughs> not an aspiration for people, no, everyone. But, but you, Newsflash. <laughs> it's a necessary position and it's a great way to get started and to learn a lot through osmosis and listening and you know everything that's going mm -hmm. on yeah I think you mm -hmm. should always treat the people that you work with with respect whether they're higher than you or lower than you and so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of as far as I've as, that's as much as I have to say about the assistant life like nobody wants to be an assistant it's a stepping stone but yes you should mm -hmm. treat everyone with respect. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Katie, you're very worldly and amazing. And <laughs> you yeah, worked your on experience is awesome. Yeah, you worked on I mean, we might not have to have you come on again because 
you've done so much and gone to so many places and we only got to touch on a little bit of it but lots of stories yeah and everything is so interesting so we're so happy that you got to come on and chat with us yeah thank you so much yeah thank you guys it was such a pleasure it's always fun to chat with you all right guys thank you so much for tuning in to episode eight of how are we not invited Thanks, everyone. And stay tuned for episode nine. But seriously, guys. Seriously, guys? But seriously, guys. How How are are we we not not invited? invited?